0: I want to share with you today uh, this idea, uh, be careful what you entertain. Be careful what you entertain. Uh, A few years ago, my family and I went on a summer vacation to Colorado, and um, if you know my wife at all and my sister-in-law at all, they are planners uh, to the T. And and so they were strategizing what we were going to do for the week in Colorado, and and one of the things that they decided uh, that the boys thought would be kind of fun uh, was to go to Manitou Springs and climb the Manitou Incline. Uh, If you have never seen or experienced experienced what that is. I I have a photograph that I would love to show you from the very bottom down there. Okay, you see the skyline up there, the very top? Yeah, that's not really the top. That still goes up after that. And and so um, we entertained this idea the night before, saw pictures online, thought it would be great until me and my brother and my daughter and, and the three other fellas that were there with us got to the bottom of the incline and looked up. And suddenly that idea that we entertained, we realized, um, was a little bit more work than I thought it was on the front end. Uh, and it, it wasn't too bad at first, right? There were little chipmunks running around. They had little steps you could climb all the way up, railroad ties, um, like 2,677 steps or something like that. Um, trust me, by about the halfway mark, I looked over at my daughter and thought, what did we get ourselves into? Because what we had suddenly entertained, we realized, was a lot more than what we bargained for. Uh, Let me explain to you exactly what this was. Like in less than one mile, and actually 0.88 miles, it climbs over 2,000 feet in elevation. So we're talking a massive incline. Uh, They said that, that it would be like climbing up the Eiffel Tower six times, up and down. So so a lot of climbing was involved. Hours later, uh, here's another picture. You could see what it was like when we finally reached the top. Like there it was from the top of those stairs. And you had two options. Go back down those stairs, you came up, or you could hike down the mountain that was not so steep. We chose the mountainside. Um, I was done walking stairs after that one. Because something that we entertained in our minds that we thought was going to be fun, we realized was a lot more than, than what we were ready to bite off, but we got it. But man, aren't there so many things that we entertain in life, right? Entertain that, that we need a new truck. Uh, I know, somebody's going to be nudging their spouse here in a moment. Um, we entertain that we need to buy a new house, that this one just isn't big enough or good enough anymore. We need some more land. Um, we entertain the fact that we need to buy just one more gun, honey, one more gun. Yeah, all, everybody that wants one more gun, say amen. amen. That's what I'm talking about. Um, or, or I need to buy just one more horse, honey. If I could just get one more horse, or one more purse, or one more pair of shoes, all the ladies in the house, right? We entertain all of these ideas, and then we end up acting on them the longer we entertain them, Right? If we chip away, we wear away, we get there. But but to me, what happens when we entertain some of the wrong ideas too? What happens when we begin to entertain the idea of being with somebody else that's not our spouse? Instead of entertaining the idea of how I can invest in my marriage and make it better. What happens when we we entertain this idea of comparing ourselves to somebody else? If I could just be skinnier like them or stronger like them or look like them and we get caught in this comparison game and this idea that we entertain becomes a trap that we live in. Rather than valuing ourselves and learning to value ourselves, or make decisions uh, out of choosing to be healthier, we get stuck in this comparison trap that never, never fills us up or satisfies us. How can we make this pain go away and we begin to entertain all of these ideas about what we can do to make the pain inside of us stop and we begin to be willing to do whatever it takes to numb it and make it go away. Can we just be real in church today for a little bit? See, see, here's what I think we need, to, we need to guard carefully what we choose to entertain in our life. And I think scripture is really clear about, about showing us the good examples where people entertain the right thing and the wrong examples uh, where the wrong things got entertained. And so if we're going to entertain the right idea, then we need to entertain what the Lord has called us to engage with. That that if we want to get our life lined up with what God has called us to be, then let's entertain the right things that God has called us to engage with in our life. If we get that right, you won't want to entertain the bad things. The more, see, we make this thing about following Jesus about like, don't do this and don't do that. Like, you've got it all wrong. It's not about what you can't do, it's about what you can do. And if you would focus on serving him and what he's called you to, you begin to realize all those other things aren't nearly as fulfilling as you thought they were. When you fill up on the right thing, you won't wanna fill up on the bad thing. I used to love McDonald's, confession. I know, like anymore, I don't want it at all. I take that back. There is one time of year I want McDonald's. Um, That is when the McRig comes back on an annual basis and that's it. I know it's not healthy. I don't even want to know what's in it. Don't tell me, just let me enjoy it, okay? But I don't want it anymore because since I've changed my eating habits and my lifestyle, I've realized the way I feel when I'm done, I'm sorry McDonald's, like if I just offended you, like I'm sorry. I don't want it anymore because I filled up on the right things. The other things that aren't so good for me anymore, I no longer desire. And, and that's what we're looking at here in Deuteronomy. See, there, there's this moment in Israel's history where, where God delivered them from slavery, delivered them out of Egypt. They went across um, the Red Sea. God parted it for them and they walked across. He was taking them to a promised land. And after God had done all this stuff, they still said, I'd rather be in slavery than live out here in the desert. And, and they sinned against God and took 40 years through the desert when he had them there ready to go in. And, and, and because they kept entertaining the wrong ideas, They didn't make it where God wanted them to go right away. And so they've circled that mountain for 40 years and God's put them back at the promised land about to go in where God wants to take them again. And he challenges them to engage with the right things and entertain the right ideas. And in Deuteronomy chapter six, starting in verse four, uh, in in the Jewish culture, they call this the Shema. Uh, It's literally a prayer uh, that is part of the culture that they pray every day. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That there is this picture that that the Lord is showing them, this is what I want you to engage with. Engage with loving me with your whole heart. And like to get what he's saying there, uh, like in, in Jewish times, the heart was so much more than just this organ in your chest that pumps blood. The heart was so much more than just where you felt emotions from, like we tie the heart to. Like it was the center of everything. That's why like even in Proverbs, when it says that, that as a man thinks in his heart, like we don't now, right? We think up here, not here. But to them, this was the center of everything. The thoughts, the will, the emotions, all of those things, the desires that you have, all centered around the heart. And so when he's saying love God with all of your heart, he's saying love him with everything. The thoughts you think, the actions in your life, the desires in your life, the passions in your life, the things that that you have, all of that. Love God with all of your heart. Give it all to him. And and he's challenging us to engage in him in, in every aspect of our life. Why? Because what you entertain starts to engage your heart. What you entertain starts to engage your heart. Have you ever noticed that? Like you have a great way when you entertain something and want something to convince yourself why you need it or to justify why you should get it. And so Jesus challenges us. The Lord challenges us here at Deuteronomy a couple of things. One, engage Jesus by engaging his word. Because he said, oh, obey baby, and listen to my commands, that, that, that we should do them, that they should be on your heart, that these commands that I give you today are to be on your heart, to engage the Lord, to engage our life around his word. And he said this thing, he said to impress them on your children. So if you understand at all uh, what that word means, to impress, um, it, it's literally like sharpening a knife, right? Any of you ever sharpened a knife before? Like, I, I this looks really shiny because they started making those really cool knives that you just change the blades out when you're skinning a deer. It's a whole lot easier than sharpening one. But the idea uh, to impress is is to sharpen. I mean, it's literally to 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 take something and 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 impress it in in such a way that it begins to change the very thing that you're pressing on it. That, that the Lord literally says, like, don't just read my word, but let it begin to change you. To begin to change the shape of your life, to take a, a regular piece of, of steel and turn it into an instrument that could be used for something else. And I think so often we read the Word of God, but do we allow it to become so impressed on our life that it begins to change our life into something different? And, and that's what the Lord was challenging Israel with in this moment was to, to impress it on your children. I want you to notice we're. Beginning to engage God and his word was centered around two. Did you notice what he said? Impress it on your children. Whose responsibility is that? You. Not not me. Not Pastor Randy. Not Pastor Amber. Why, that's part of our calling. Let me tell you right now. The greatest kids pastor or student pastor your kids will ever have is you. Because we get them one hour a week. Two, if you come for a couple of services, you get them for 167 hours. Who do you think has a bigger impact on your family? So if you want to start engaging God, then Engage God's Word starts in your home with you. With you taking the time to sit down and have a conversation with your kids. With you taking the time to sit down and pray with your kids. With you taking the time to explain to them those things. Because we can put scriptures on the wall all day long. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. But if serving God never moves from here to home, that scripture doesn't mean anything on your wall. It's just another decoration in your house. But when we impress it in such a way that it doesn't just change you for an hour of your life, but it begins to change your home, that's when you're engaging God in the right way. So many times we get people to call us, hey, I need you to meet with my kid. I need you to fix them. They've lost their mind. <laughs> Most of the time, if you have about a, a 30-minute conversation with a parent, you realize, like, like, man, I can help, but I can only help you help them. That somewhere along the way, you as a parent got to take some ownership of this and quit waiting for the church to disciple your kids, and you got to start discipling your kids. That he's called us as a whole to engage with his word in a way that we impress it on our families, that, that it has begun to change our life and then we begin to change the life of those around us. And it starts at home. To engage at home, to engage with your wife, to engage with your kids, the word of God. Read it together. It's not hard. Pick, pick something easy. Grab the New Testament and start reading together. Read a chapter a day. Read a verse a day. Find something. Every now and then sit down and have a meal together and just talk to them about their day. And when they tell you some of the things they're struggling with, offer to pray with them about the things they're struggling with. Like this doesn't have to be weird and awkward. But we won't want to entertain the wrong ideas if we start raising up people in our homes and ourselves included to engage God with the right ideas. And it starts when we get his word into our heart. When we get his word into our life. When his word, uh, when our life becomes like that knife. And as we reread the word of God, it begins to sharpen us and change us. And so then we begin to introduce people around us to that same word. Why? Because we want it to change them the way it's changed us. We've got to be willing to engage at that kind of level. And it starts in your home You know, one of the, uh, personally, one of the best ways I've found to show my kids what Jesus is doing me, if I can be honest with you, own your failures with your kids. Like this world already creates enough pressure to try to be perfect. Teach them what it's like to be real at home. Don't put the same pressure to be perfect at home because they think you're perfect and they never see you actually own your failure with them. Some of the most painful moments and yet at the same time, some of the most life-changing moments for me with my kids were the moments I had to go back in and sit down on a bed with my kids and look them in the eye and tell them, I'm sorry. Dad lost his temper and that's not the way I want to be. And that's not what Jesus wants me to be. And I've asked him to forgive me, but I need to come ask you to forgive me. It would be amazing if we could let down that wall with our kids and be so real with them that we could show them that we're not going to get this perfect, but we're going to run to Jesus every time we don't. And we're going to give it to him and we're going to come out better on the other side. That's the best, one of the best, one of the easiest ways, not easy, that's not true, one of the best ways. The easiest way would just be bring them to church and hand them off to somebody for an hour and then take them back an hour later. But like I tell my kids, we we don't choose what's easiest, we choose what's best. And most of the time, what's easiest and what's best are on two different paths. Choose what's best. Engage yourself with the word of God. Begin to engage your family with the word of God. If you don't have a family, get yourself so engaged that you can begin to influence somebody around you because you run into people all the time. You work with people. You live next to somebody. You pass people all the time. You get so sharp with the word of God that you can begin to change the people around you with what God's doing in you. Engage with the right thing. Entertain the right idea. You won't want to entertain the wrong ones. Deuteronomy goes on to say, he he kind of skips ahead here because why he tells them what to engage with, we kind of hit the next chapter where there's this, this hard part for some people to really wrestle with because Deuteronomy 7, starting in verse 2, he says this, he says, and when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them. See, as they go into the promised land, they've got to fight some battles and they've got to fight some people to take that land. And the Lord said that when you have defeated them, you must destroy them totally Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters or their their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down the Asherah poles and burn their idols in the fire. Like, like, can we just stop for a minute and just admit, like, this is a bit of a hard text, right? Like, I mean, God just said, kill anybody and show them no mercy along the way. Like, I don't have time in this message <laughs> to break that down completely. So hear me out. Uh, don't get hung up on that spot. Um, th- there's a lot about God that you and I will never know. And we read a text like that, but we don't know how many conversations God had with those people before they ever got to this place. We we don't know how many people God sent to them to show them mercy and call them to repentance before they got to this place. So before we're quick to judge God as, as an unmerciful or unkind or unloving God, let's admit that we're not God and we don't know the whole story of what he is up to. And if scripture does tell me that God is a God of mercy and a God of love, then I have to believe that somewhere along the way, he tried his best. To show them mercy and grace long before it ever got to this point. But we also have to admit at this place in the text that there are some things that God says we should never entertain in our life. That there are some things that we shouldn't entertain to the point we should do everything we can to eliminate them and get them out of our life. And so, what we can't do is not entertain what God has said to eliminate. But you've got to know that when he said to eliminate it from your life, it wasn't to be a mean, angry God. It was because he loves you and he knows it's going to take you in a direction you didn't really want to go. Just like I entertained that climb up the main of two incline to realize when I got there, it was a whole lot more than what I thought it was halfway up it was a whole lot more work than I thought it was. And sin is the same way. These things that God says to not entertain and to eliminate out of your life, he realizes it's going to take you in a direction that's going to cost you a whole lot more than you thought it was going to. That's going to hurt you a whole lot more than you thought it was going to. And he's doing it out of a heart of love and protection. And that's why he says don't entertain these things, but wipe them out. And, and we, we get this in one sense. Like, we understand that if we want to get healthier and lose weight, we've, we've got to eliminate some things from our life, right? Nobody loves chocolate chip cookie dough, bluebell ice cream like me, I promise you. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm wanting to get healthy, then, then there may be some of those things I gotta eliminate. I can't bring that package of double stuffed Oreos home and sit down and eat it while I'm Netflix binging. <laughs> I, I, right? That there are some things that I have to change, that I have to stop sitting around the couch watching Netflix for six hours and I may actually have to get up and do some exercise. That there are some things I have to stop engaging with and start engaging with the right things. That we understand, man, for, for people that struggle uh, in your heart and in your mind with the thoughts that you think and the way that you are, that, that maybe you are just a negative person and always have this self-doubt, then, then maybe you need to begin to eliminate some of the voices in your life that feed into that depression and self-doubt and negativity. Amen. Eliminate them. Maybe that means you got to get off social media, get off some stuff that's feeding that mess in your life because you'll be better for it in the end. And then start filling your life with the right things, with the word of God that says, I love you and I care for you and I will be your joy and I'll be your peace and I'll give you the peace of God that'll pass understanding to guard your heart and mind and suddenly you filled your life with the right things and you find joy and peace that you never had. Why? Because you eliminated some of the wrong things and you started engaging with some of the right things. That somewhere in there, we've got to make some really hard choices on what we are going to get into. That we've got to acknowledge that there are just some spiritually dangerous things in our life that we have to be willing to sever. Like, Like he said, smash those idols, burn them, do nothing to entertain bringing them into your life. In fact, do all that you can to break every connection with them. Why? Because it's spiritually dangerous. And we live in a world that still is full of spiritually dangerous traps in our life. And all the enemy wants you to do is to start to entertain something dangerous. Why? Because he can get a foot in the door. And then when he can get a foot in a door, he can go from having a foothold in your life to having a stronghold in your life. Why? Because you can't close the door because you started entertaining something and let him get the foot in the door in your life when you should have shut the door on his foot and kept it closed. There's a reason that God would tell us something like this because he loves you, because he cares for you. And when he says there are things that don't belong in our life, it's coming from a God who wants what's best for you, that cares for you, that loves you. And I think this is the part where a lot of people want me to give you an exhausted list of all of the things that you should cut out of your life. <laughs> you want that list? It's called the Bible. Open it up and read it. Oh, we can clap for that. Like that's, that's like the pretty free piece of advice right there. You want to know what those right things are? Get in a community of other believers that'll sharpen you like iron sharpening iron and can encourage the right things in you and warn you when you're stepping into something dangerous. Because there are some things that are really clear cut, but there are some other things that are just going to be personal for some people that may not be for you, and that's okay too. There's a reason that I work and exercise so hard and get up and run and row and do all the things that I do. It's because I carry this personal conviction that this is the temple and the body of God that God has given me. And one day I'm gonna be held accountable for the way I use this body and live in it. Because I believe that I shouldn't be that overweight preacher standing on stage telling you how to exercise self-control in your life when I'm struggling to do it for myself. But we're not all there, like that's okay. I'm not trying to force something on you, but this is just what God's doing in me. But that's why you need to open the word of God, because there may be things in your life that God needs to show you that you need to get out. And there may be things in your life that God wants to put in so he can build the right things in you. And so we have to take the time to spend some time with God and hear what he wants to say to each one of us individually. Do I think there are some things that we should eliminate? Absolutely. Do I think there are some guardrails that Scripture gives us that I could make it really easy? Sure. Let me start with this one. Your personal convictions that shape the way you live should not come from social media, politics, or any other celebrity that's out there. It's all right. We can clap for that too. It should come from the Word of God first and foremost. But too many times we're looking to a celebrity pastor we're looking to another celebrity. We're looking to something on the news where somebody said God was love and this and that, and so we should do that and be okay with that because that's what they posted on social media. What does God say about it? That should be the foundation that's forming those convictions. You want to try to figure out the things in your life that you should lean into or, or cut away out of your life? Then ask yourself, is this drawing me closer to God or taking me further from him? And that's going to look different for all of us. But if it's not helping you build a stronger relationship with him, and in fact you feel like it may be taking you away from him, it's probably something that you need to take out of your life. That that there are some guardrails. There are some things that he offers to us. Some good advice. That if there are things on your schedule that keep you from consistently and intentionally growing closer to Jesus, then there's probably some things you need to eliminate out of your life and put on your schedule instead. Because guess what? We all have the same 24 hours a day. And you can say, well, I just don't have time for that. Well, you got time for exactly what you want to have time for. So maybe it's time you make time for Jesus and make less time for other things. And then see if life doesn't begin to change. As you engage the right things, you may not want the wrong things. That there are influences in your life. That there may be friends. There may be friendships. There may be things in your life that you know are leading you away from Jesus, then it may be time to break off some friendships right now and build some healthier ones that will encourage you. (sighs) Can can we get really real for a minute? So, So, Man, as I was putting this message together, I felt like there were some things that God laid on my heart. That, that we just need to call out for what they are. The, the, there are some things I think some people need to eliminate out of your life that, that right now you're, like, you kind of almost feel it in the pit of your stomach a little bit. And, and so some of these, you guys may, some of, like, I just feel this is for somebody, okay? I, I hope this lands where it is. Listen, uh, there's somebody here, somebody watching online, um, you need to cut some things out of your life that you find comfort in. Because every time something goes wrong in your life, you turn to something to bring you comfort. When Jesus said, turn to me, and I will be the God of all comfort for you so that you can comfort others. And I don't know what that is. It may be that gallon of bluebell that you grab out and eat to make yourself feel better. But then in the end, guess what? You feel worse because now you don't like the way you look. And so you feel worse. So now I'm going to turn to something else to comfort me again and try that for a while. And I feel worse. And I keep turning to all these things to bring me comfort. When God said, come to me and I will comfort you. And I, I think there are some of you, and there's some messages that you're having, text message online through social media, some, you're talking to somebody you shouldn't be talking to. You are married, you're entertaining ideas with somebody at work or somebody else online or through a text message that you, you ought not be having that conversation because you're married or they're married and you, you need to cut that out of your life. That in a room, let's just be honest if we can, statistically speaking, uh, if you look at the stats, that there are people in here watching on right now that struggle with pornography, and you keep going back to that over and over again because for whatever reason, you feel in control for a little while, it numbs you for a little while, it does whatever. You need to cut that out of your life. And there's, there's somebody... and you are struggling with anxiety and depression. (sighs) Don't do it. Don't give in to those thoughts. Don't give in to those lies. Don't give in to those things. That are feeding that in you over and over again. Stop listening to the voice of the enemy. Stop listening to all the lies that he tells you. That you're not worth it. Or you're never going to change. Or things aren't going to get any better. And start listening to the voice of God. That there is a God that loves you. And he put me here in this moment. On this platform. To say not only are there some things you need to get out of your life. But you need to let me into your life. I think there's a whole host of other things, if we were all really honest, that we would say, man, I've, I've got some things that I need to eliminate out of my life. I've got some things I need to eliminate out of my life. And for the, the first time this year, in my 41 years of life, um, I started going to a counselor because I just knew there were some things in me that I needed to fix. And one of the things that I'm I'm recognizing in myself, and this is just me, is I base my value on what I do instead of who God has made me to be and whose I am, and that's his. And, and in my mind, man, I'm an achiever. I like to get things done. I'm competitive. I like to win first place when I get things done. Like, like I know in my life though that I have let that swing to an unhealthy level to where I base my value at the end of a day on how much I've gotten done or not gotten done. And I knew it was broken when, when he asked me, out of seven days in a week, how many times do you get to the end of a day out of seven days and feel like you've accomplished something good? That was really easy to answer. None. And, and like, it was like in that moment, the Holy Spirit, through him, through that moment, in that conversation, turned to the light bulb on that said, see, it, you, I've based so much of my relationship on what I do for God that I've stopped and forgotten that he just loves me for who I am, not for what I do for him. And that at the end of the day, my value isn't based on how many boxes I get checked or how many things I get done or how many contracts get signed or how many fires I put out or how many people I help. That my value at the end of the day is the fact that I am a child of God, and he loves me, and that has nothing to do with what I've done, but it has everything to do with who I am to him, and so I recognize, man, there's some things i got to cut out of my life, and there's some things I've got to work on inside of me that I let feed that, And I know that by nature I put that on everybody else and because I can never hit the bar that's high enough, nobody else around me can hit that either. And so I can be really hard on other people that I never want to be hard on because I can't hit the bar, so they're sure not going to hit it. And I recognize that's broken in me. And I recognize that it's it's not that I just got to eliminate some things out of my life, but it's I've got to stop and start engaging God with the right things in those moments, and remind myself that I am loved by God, that he loves me. Not, not for what I do, not because pastor is in front of my name, but he just loves me. I know how we normally do things, but we're going to do things backwards today. Is it okay if we change things up every now and then? Because here's what I believe. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit's speaking to some of you. That there is, there's something in your life right now that, that the, the, the Spirit of God has brought to your heart and mind that you know you need to cut out of your life. How, how many of you in this moment, man, would just be really vulnerable and really transparent and say, say man, that's me. I, I've got some stuff in my life. Hands up. hands. Up. It's all right. Look. Look around. Like, <laughs> Look at all the hands that are up. Don't you believe the lie that you're the only one fighting this battle? Don't you believe the lie that nobody else is going through what you're going through? Don't you believe the lie that you have to face this alone or do this alone? Can we just take a moment here? For those of you that raised your hand, I I want to challenge you with this. We're going to pray. And and if you raised your hand, I want to challenge you in this moment as I pray for you to just lift your hands up and say, God, I'm giving this thing to you that I'm struggling with. I'm tired of carrying it. I'm tired of entertaining it in my heart, in my mind, or whatever it is at this point. It's between you and Jesus, okay? But can we just take a moment? We've come to church today for a reason and it wasn't to walk out of here with the same garbage you came in, but it was to come into this place so you could leave changed. So let's start that change today. If that was you and you raised your hand and you've got something you need to give to God, can we, can we just take a moment and pray and lift those hands up and say, God, I'm giving this thing to you. Lord, I thank you for every hand that's raised here. I thank you for every hand that's raised online. I thank you for people that are just willing to be vulnerable and real with you. God, whatever the battles may be, whatever the fight might be, whatever is going on in their life that they keep entertaining and holding on to, I pray, Holy Spirit, today that you would, you would break that stronghold in people's lives. I pray that you would, you would slam the door where the enemy is trying to get a foothold. I pray that, that you would cut off and destroy anything that the enemy is trying to use to destroy our lives. Where sin has won, where lies have won, where deceit has won in our life. God, I pray that your truth would reign victorious. I pray that your blood would wash and cleanse us of all of our sins and make us righteous. God, where we have fallen, may we get up and run back to you today. May we not come into this place and leave without encountering you. For every hand that was raised, every act of faith that was given, God, to give it to you today, I pray that you would honor that faith, that you would deliver, that you would set free, and you would do a work that only you can do, Jesus. Set us free so that we can give you our whole heart, every thought, every word, every action, every part and every fiber of who we are, God. We surrender to you. Help us engage with your word. Help us engage with your spirit. Help us to engage you through prayer and do all that we can to walk in the victory that you promised to give each one of us, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Listen, one of the greatest things you can do today, let me tell you what you can do, is, is engaged with Jesus today. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here. Maybe you've never taken the time to give your life to Jesus. And, and you're sitting there thinking, man, I've got some junk in my life that I keep fighting. And, and I've tried everything I can to, to overcome it, to get it out of my life. And I can't do it on my own. Maybe you've never tried Jesus. Maybe you made a commitment to him a long time ago, but you've just not been living that commitment. And today you want to make a new commitment to Jesus. If that's you, if you've never given your life to Jesus before and you want to, or maybe you made a decision for him a long time ago and you've not been living it, and you want to make a new commitment to live for him today. If that's you, would you slip your hand up so that we could put a Bible in your hand and pray with you? Anybody else? Keep your hand up until they put a Bible in your hand. As soon as they put that Bible in there, you can put your hand down. Those of you that raised your hands, would you mind to look up at me for a moment? Would you come up here and let me pray with you this morning? Would you do that? Yeah. Jesus sent us here today just for you. You know that? Oh. <laughs> mm. He loves you. What's your name? Alexandra. Alexandra? I want you to hear me today. You're not going to walk out of this place the same way you came in. You know that. Jesus is going to make you new. He's going to set you free. And then he said, I got a plan for your life, Alexandra. It's not the lies. It's not the sin. It's not all the things that you've been stuck in. It's a plan and it's something good. Life may have not been good to you up until this point, but God's about to blow your mind with how good he is. And this is just the beginning, okay? And I want to pray with you, all right? I want you to repeat after me. There's nothing magical about these words, but I believe if you mean them. That God is going to change your life and do something different today. You guys join with us. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, need you I need you to come into my life. To come into my life. To make me brand new. To make me brand new. To wash away my sins. To wash away my sins. And to live for you. And to live for you. And to love you. And to love you. With all of my heart. With all of my heart. And all of my strength. Every thought I give to you, Jesus. Every thought I give to you. Every action is yours. Every action is yours. Help me to love you. Help me to love you. And help me to live for you. And help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, Amen. In Jesus' name, Amen. Listen, today's just the first step. I'm going to tell you this: it's the same thing everybody else here has come to learn. I promise you, somewhere the enemy is going to come after you again. But the, here's the difference that separates from who you were and who you are now. We don't have to run from Jesus anymore. Every time the enemy knocks us down, we're going to get back up and run to him again. And we want to be here with you. We want to be family to help you keep doing that. That's why everybody's clapping and cheering for you because it's a celebration and we love you. Would you go right over there and visit with that lady for just a moment, please? All right. Can we stand across this place? I believe we had church today. Can we... Just take one moment here as a commitment at the end of this service to lift our hands all across this place. If you're watching online and you can, lift your hand too. And and let's just commit that from this day forward, God, we're going to engage with you where you've called us to and cut the things out of our life you want out, Jesus. Father, I thank you for everybody here, everybody watching online for the work that you're doing in us, for the work that you're doing through us. I believe that you have healed people that are broken today. I believe you have set free people that have been held captive by the enemy. And we're going to walk in that healing, and we're going to walk in that freedom, God. We're not going to go back to the things that we had before, God. We're cutting those off and removing them from our life, and we're going to move forward into the life that you have for us, Jesus. We're going to engage you, engage your word, and engage your word with those around us so that you begin to change who we are in every area of our life and help us begin to change the world around us because of what you're doing in and through us, Jesus. And we ask it all in your name. Amen. Listen, our prayer team is up here. If you want somebody to pray with you, please come down and let one of these prayer team members pray with you. We love you guys, and we'll see you next week.